Welcome back to America's Pal. I'm your host, Darren White. This is the number one rated podcast being recorded in my man cave. You can find us everywhere podcasts like to hang out. That is Spotify, iHeart, Apple. Find us on YouTube, Rumble. Uh, website is americaspal.com. Contact me directly there at darren at americaspal.com. That's D-A-R-R-E-N at americaspal.com. I was going to try and launch our carrier pigeon to get the uh, podcast out to you, but uh, unfortunately, they are all homesick with the bird flu. So we are we're trying to fashion some masks that'll fit over their tiny little beaks. It's involved, so we're uh, we've had to put um, put a pin in that for a little while. But uh, today, we're going to go through our news outbreak like we do every week, and then uh, today, we're going to talk about the difference between politics and government, how they are both important. Uh, but before we dig into all of that, we have to unfortunately dive into our dead deadbeat sponsor break. I uh, got a brand new one this week. Unfortunately, since nobody's paying us for sponsors, I've had to make up my own. So bear with us through this deadbeat sponsor break. This portion of the program is brought to you by Irish Winter Bar Soap. Winter is coming. You're going to need a bear soap strong enough for the winter, not the spring. Irish winter bear soap is strong enough to wash away a thousand years of battle. Lifetime of pestilence and plague will melt away. It will wash away famine brought upon you by a winter's icy grasp. Irish winter bar soap is made in a cauldron hotter than the very surface of a thousand burning suns not seen here in generations. It's made with the lie from the ashes of our ancestors who died in the battles of kings and emperors. And it's blended with the crumbled ruins of our castles from days long ago. Infused with the healing of the red clover, the bluebell, the meadow sweet, and just a dash of the poison of bog rosemary. Prepare for the winter with Irish winter bar soap. Strong enough to wash away the winter as you pray for springtime. And welcome back. Today we're going to jump into this week's version of the news outbreak. So let me explain. There is no time. Let me sum up. Senator Rand Paul blocks $40 billion in Ukraine funding due to irregular earmarks such as 10% for the big guy and Hunter's laptop repair. In continuing response to the potential reversal of Roe versus Wade, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says, quote, we see your abortion shortage and we raise you one baby formula shortage, end quote. Goldman Sachs senior chairman, woman, he, she, they person says that recession is a high risk factor, but not to worry because it's sure to be a transitory recession. Fed chair Jerome Powell addresses the issue of the not so transitory inflation by saying that they have a plan. We print, we spend and repeat. That's the key. Congress holds its first ever UFO hearing in 50 years. When asked, an anonymous alien who has to only be called Marvin says, Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. 
With COVID cases on the rise again, New York Governor Kathy Hochul says, bring it on. We have 10,000 empty beds in our nursing homes. And by the way, where's my Emmy? President Biden takes his first trip to Asia as president. When asked about the trip, he said, I always love going to Asia. Hunter and I used to hang out there all the time. Hell, we even took Air Force Two there. The Ministry of Truth, or the Disinformation Governance Board, died peacefully in sleep this week. When asked, Ministry Head Nina Jankowicz said that everything you may have heard is just Russian misinformation. I have top 50 top intelligence officials that say that it is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. In response to the demise of the Disinformation Governance Board, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas stated that, in fact, it was information itself that crushed the brand new department, established to tell the, the public what was true and what is Russia. 37 million birds affected by the bird out flu outbreak. When asked, Dr. Fauci said, We are working uh, diligently around the clock to fit the birds with masks and ventilators until... The Pfizer vaccine can get into the wings of the 26 billion chickens worldwide. San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione has barred Nancy Pelosi from taking Holy Communion due to her pro-abortion stance. Nancy Pelosi states that this is a sacrifice that she's willing to make for the children. This just in, if you still have your Ukraine season decorations up, it's time to pack them away with your COVID season decorations as we move into monkeypox season. Keep those COVID season decorations handy, though. Rumor has it we're going right back to COVID season just in time for the midterm election season. A federal judge blocks Biden's bid to end Title 42, thus allowing the CDC to maintain control of their bureaucratic control of the federal government's immigration policy. And that sums up our week's weekly news outbreak. Take a quick break. One more deadbeat sponsor before we get into today's topic. This portion of the program is brought to you by Florida Man Adventureland. If you're a Central Florida native and you're tired of all the theme parks built for the out-of-towners, then Florida Man Adventureland is the place for you. It's a theme park built for the Florida Man by the Florida Man. If you think swimming with the dolphins is for chumps and you can swim with the alligators at the Florida Man Lagoon, fully stocked with gators big enough to take more than a dollar's worth of hamburger off of you. If you dabble in off-label chemistry, then be sure to experience our immersive Stump the Dentist experiment. If firearms suit your fancy, then check out the Florida Man Shooting Emporium. You can take a shot at a wild pig or of a rival gang from our authentic 1996 Chevrolet Impala. Forget all those butterfly encounters. We got a mosquito encounter that will knock your socks off. When you get a path of thirst and a path of hunger, then don't miss out on our bath salt buffet. It will expand your mind. The mouse might have a Chewbacca, but we got our very own skunk ape experience. Try to find him just after our lunch at the bath salt buffet. Don't waste time with a mouse, the whale, or a hulk. 
jumpstart your pickup and get down with us at the Florida Man Adventureland, located just east of East Orlando. Welcome back in. Here we are. Let's uh, get into the topic that I wanted to kind of go over today. Had a conversation this week with someone. Um, I was listening to one of my programs or whatever, and they came in, and they uh, they said uh, that politics was a joke. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, actually, that's that's true, but unfortunate. And so I got to think about that over the over the past few days or whatever and I really wanted to think about where are we in politics and and our government because politics isn't was never supposed to be our government but that's really where we're at see we've let the the blood sport of the politics overtake everything we've we've just kind of put it on cruise control we've let our elected officials do their thing we don't pay attention to what they're doing and what do they do they keep shrinking <clears throat> the strength of our separation of powers. They defer everything to the White House. So the White House, um, and this is over the past uh, quite a few, few administrations at least, um, rather than they go through legislation, they go through executive fiat. That makes the policy. And then they leave it up to the Supreme Court to de- decide whether or not it's legal. So you've got essentially one president making uh, making our domestic policy our foreign policy and then nine unelected justices who were just supposed to have equal power well now they are the supreme power in our country we've just let the politics get to the point where it feels like we're participating we're doing our civic duty when in fact it's it's more than just cast your vote then go home come back in two years do it again but We've all let it go. I'm, I'm guilty of it myself where, sure, I, I got go down the list and uh, I pick who I'm going to vote for. I vote for them and I don't think again about it until uh, two years when we got to do it all over again. Then you see all the ads, all the mudslinging, and then everybody jumps on board as, yay team, this is my team. My team's going to win this, this season. And it's become a sport. And then it's become to the point where it's diminished – the importance of our role in politics because we are a government of the people. People forget that part. They blame the government for everything, but we are the government. It's you and I. Everything from our local, our local governments, our citywide elections, that's all us. It's supposed to be neighbors serving their communities. It's supposed to be people who have a hands-on interest in their community. Not an interest in K Street. Not an interest in moving up the political chain. Not an interest in power or wealth building, personal wealth building. Our government was never set up in such a way that we can just elect somebody, leave them there for three or four decades, let them become innumerably wealthy, and then... They retire on, their kids never have to work again, and the American people just become chattel. Just, we're the pawns in the whole game. So this government of the people somehow is now 
a government of bureaucrats. You have people who have never run for an office, who are unelected. They're put there in committees. They're put there by our elected officials, and they stay in Washington their entire careers. Nobody knows their names, but these are the policymakers in our nation. And then at the same time, this government of the people also then partners with the largest of the corporations in our nation. So, so when, when our um, big oil or um, big pharma or the lobbyists, and now with all of the social media giants that are really only three people that control the narrative of this country, they partner with the federal government and they make policy. How do they do that? Well, the federal government leans on them and says, well, hey, if you want a seat at the table, then we are going to need you to go ahead and do this policy that we've tried to get past the Supreme Court. Supreme Court says no, so it's up to you, that private entity, to enforce this policy that we cannot. So this is that corporate fascism that I was warning about last week where you don't get to vote for for who owns Apple. You don't get to vote for who owns Google. You don't vote for who owns the pharmaceutical companies. They, they were never elected, but they're the ones that are driving our policy. Look at how the CDC has controlled every day of your life for the past two and a half years. Every single day, this unelected bureaucracy, they're even driving our immigration policy. That whole Title 42 that uh, the president wants to end because, well, COVID is over, or is it? Well, that COVID-19 policy was they could deter people. They could turn people around at the border and send them back if they were sick. So even Republicans are glomming onto this Title 42 when, sure, use every tool we have again, you know, to, in, our, in our arsenal to help solve the border crisis. But at the same time, you can't lean on the CDC to be your sole surviving um, responsible uh, party. In our immigration policy, you know, at some point in time, the laws that are already on the books, the ones that the Supreme Court have told this administration that they have to start enforcing them. It's time that we, be, we hold their feet to the fire. I feel that we're going to do that here in November. But at the same time, what does it matter if the people that we put in place are the same self-serving empty suits that the, the, other, the, the other party has? So I tend to despise both parties. I lean more towards the libertarian side, but at the same time, no, you can't be a libertarian if you think that um, corporations that are leaned on by the federal government can do what they want simply because they're a private company. No, once they leave, they leave the private company, they leave that, that blanket of security behind once they partner with the federal government and enact policy that is unconstitutional. So both parties, it, doesn't, it won't do any good. So this is where I think that people really do feel that the politics itself is a joke. But the problem is, is politics is, isn't policy. It's only part of it. But we focus so much just on the politics of everything. It's all based on your cable news ratings. It's based on what, uh, what news source you're reading, where it comes from, whatever, whatever is the latest scoop. And then, or whatever the latest policy is that comes out, is, and that's what everybody's hair is supposed to catch on fire over. This is what we're all supposed to scream about. Right now, with the terrible situation that happened up in Buffalo with the, 
with the, the mass shooting there, it's, it's sadly predictable where, where, where the left has gone with the narrative, a completely false narrative. They're now saying in Congress that it is the policy of the Republican Party that this replacement theory is the policy of the Republican Party, that the Republican Party has become extreme. Well, I dare to suggest that the Republican Party is no more extreme than the left is because they're going in the same direction the left is. The American people simply said, no, let's plant our flag back where it needs to be. See, the average American doesn't have any idea what they're, they're spouting off in these, in these narratives. They don't care to even bother to find out. Why? Because they're trying to find baby food right now. They're trying to find gasoline that they can afford. They're trying to get to their jobs. They don't understand why with jobs so available right now, they still can't m- make ends meet. This inflation that they said was transitory, turns out it's not transitory. It's at four-decade-old highs. So the American public sees through this, this nonsense of a narrative. But still, they, they go to the polls and they say, well, Republicans are extreme. Republicans are racist. You know, I sat in an office with a guy I worked for for six years. He and I couldn't be more diametrically opposed as far as our policies, our political views, our, um, our stance on faith, my stance on, on my personal faith, my work, walk with God, where he's, he's a, a proud atheist and then mocks Christians. But somehow we were able to work side by side for six years. And after six years, <clears throat> I had put my foot down with this COVID madness when one of the general contractors that we work with had sent a blind copied email to everybody that uh, was going to be working on this project for one of the health companies in town. And in that email, he said that uh, their policy was, and this is that unelected policy, this mandate that uh, the Supreme Court said was unconstitutional, but because that particular health industry was receiving government funding, uh, they could enforce this vaccine mandate. Well, I had chosen based on my risk reward, my own personal risk analysis that I had done, that I didn't need it. I wasn't going to take it. And at the same time, the more people started trying to force us to, to, to take the the vaccine, the, the more likely I was to not take it at all. So he sends this email saying that everybody's going to be required to have it if they want to work in the building. And then he sent a second form, and this is what upset me. He sent a form that looked official. He said that you can use it as a template, put your letterhead on it, and this is a form that you need to have all of your employees sign attesting that they will get the vaccine. So in other words, he wants us to lie to the people that work for us by saying, look, this is our policy. We need you to sign this, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You may or may not lose your job if you don't, saying that you could get the vaccine. 
So I simply sent an email back. I didn't copy anybody. I just sent it directly to the guy that sent it to me saying that I would not be able to participate in the project because I was not vaccinated, nor did I intend to get the vaccine. And I, in good conscience, couldn't recommend that anybody else get it either because I was not their doctor. That's all I said. I sent that back to him. And uh, an hour and a half later, I got a whole flurry of emails from everybody in his company. They had copied everybody in our company with my response. So I ended up called into the office. So anyway, hour and a half long conversation with the boss about where we stand. He was not thrilled. He said, I spoke for the company. I really probably should have worded it in a way that said that I'm speaking for myself. And if you would like somebody else to do that, reach out to them. But I didn't. And uh, the conversation turned out, to be a little bit, turned out to be productive. And then we get to the end of the conversation. And this is why I know politics is so dangerous. Why just, just this mindless politics, not the thoughtful politics of how do we preserve our liberty through this republic that we have, but this mindless team sport politics of just narratives and counter narratives that are empty, the hyperbole, the straw man, all of it. Why it's so, it's so useless. So at the end of the conversation, my boss, he says to me, he goes, look, I've known you for six years and it blows my mind that you are who you are. You believe what you believe, but I've never seen you be racist before. And I looked at him like he had a third eye in the middle of his forehead. I'm like, I'm not a racist. But, I mean, it's, it's that simple. But he assumed, because his television set tells him every night that we're all Republicans are racist. And I didn't even bother to get into the fact that I'm not, not espousing to the Republican Party myself these days anyway. But he just automatically assumes that if you, have, if you vote you know, for somebody with an R next to their name, you're obviously the racist. Well, they're, they're at it again in the midst of this tragedy. From the floor of Congress... They are saying these things. So I can understand how the idea of politics being a joke, where you keep voting, you keep voting, and nothing changes. You look at the same, pe- the, the same big cities in America, how nothing improves. It's the same party has been controlling those cities for 60 years now. There's still the societal rot that goes on in them. There's still the poverty there's still the, the, the crime, and nothing changes, but everybody keeps voting for the same thing because they're not casting a, 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 a guarded vote. All they do is they vote based on the narrative, based on the, the handouts that might be available, or just because that's how they've always voted. They vote party alliance. You don't think about your vote. You don't think about who you're voting for. Well, if you just vote party line, then no. You're not doing any better than someone that doesn't vote at all. If you just vote for whoever you think might win, you're, you're not doing any good. And fortunately, the way things are set up in most of the elections that we have, we have primary seasons, but nobody goes out during the primary to cast a primary vote. They'll just vote in the general. Well, if you have somebody that, that follows your party line but they're ineffective or they're seeking the same power. They're just seeking to climb that ladder and they're not doing you any good. You are the government. They're not government. 
then they have to be primaried. It's our duty to, to cast a primary vote for somebody that will uphold our Constitution, somebody who took the same oath that these politicians, these lifelong politicians have, somebody that took that same oath. Well, we need to find somebody that's going to take it seriously, somebody that actually means something, our republic. I get so tired of people on both sides calling us a democracy. Democracy is the antithesis to the liberty that our founders fought for. We are a democratically elected republic. So we have democracy in our local elections on local um, things and all the way up through the states where they are. It is more democracy but we were never intended to be a pure democracy because what happens in a pure democracy, it always has and it, it always will, is it devolves into the, the power of the fittest. The mob rules, the mob rules, the mob rules. So the smaller the minority groups, the minority thinkers get overlooked based on what the mob wants, which if you look at society today, they think that we're a democracy because look, look at the woke culture right now. Look at how quickly and easily it is to cancel somebody because they speak against a narrative or they say something that's deemed offensive. They get canceled. So the mob goes through, they bring out the torches, the pitchforks, and they cancel them. That's your pure democracy. But the danger with that kind of a democracy is, is it is will. It inevitably always does. It will turn on you. You might be in the majority for a period and enjoy it, but then say you think something different. Say the mob decides they want to drift in a different direction and you don't feel like going with them, so you say something. They are going to attack you with the same venom that you've attacked other people. So there's your democracy. Or you could, set, you could enjoy the, the republic that we have that is protected liberty for 250 years. So do we do the joke of the politics or do we use the politics to, re- to shape our government? So I thought I might like to go through some of, the, some of the things one of our founding fathers, John Adams, said. A few of his quotes on the topic of our government, how involved the individual is supposed to be, and how important it is that the, the populace, the people, the government itself, how they stay informed, how they know. So it's not just a team spirit, just blindly follow along, whatever the coach says, let's go with it. But no, you have to make careful decisions and you have to participate. So he said, I fear that in every elected office, Members will obtain an influence by noise, not sense, by meanness, not greatness, by ignorance, not learning, by contracted hearts, not large souls. There must be decency and respect. Nip the shoots of arbitrary power in the bud is the only maxim which can either whatever preserve the liberties of any people. 
The prospect now before us in America ought to engage the attention of every man of learning to matters of power and right. The way we may be neither led nor driven by blindfolded to irretrievable destruction. Liberty cannot be preserved without a general knowledge among the people. The only foundation of a free constitution is pure virtue. And if this cannot be inspired into our people in a greater measure than they have it now, they may change their rulers and the forms of government, but they will not obtain a lasting liberty. They will only exchange tyrants and tyrannies. Tyranny can scarcely be practiced upon a virtuous and wise people. Be not wheedled out of your liberty by hypocrisy, chicanery, and cowardice. Liberty once lost is lost forever. He said these things at our founding and through the early days of our nation. He knew the dangers of government. He knew what they had fought for. When they signed that declaration and they pledged their lives and their fortunes and their sacred honor, they actually meant something because they knew that they were doing just that. Those that survived the war, survived the aftermath of the war, and then went on to draft our Constitution, were very, very careful as to what kind of a nation we would be. Because it is the will of the people is, the nature of man is, to serve himself. So it can be easily corrupted without virtue, without strength, and without wisdom. So when we take, a, we, we take a look at where our nation is, and it's just politics, and that's, in my opinion, I think that's a cop-out, where it's, it, that's just politics, that's just how it goes. No, it's supposed to be intense, it's supposed to be rigorous. But simply, simply pure liquid meanness and anger, hyperbole and straw men, that's not a form of government. That's just delving into the, the side of the, the, the pure liquid democracy that is dangerous. That's what they want. Because what happens is, is that the more people that just care about their team over the, the actual principles of government, the principles of liberty, those principles, those get lost in all of the noise. He said, I fear that in every elected office, members will obtain an influence by noise, not sense. What do we have today? We have a thousand different sources for the noise. Very little sense, though. We don't have common sense. We can't look at something and go, well, what's, what's the cause and effect? If we vote this way, Or if we elect somebody, what's the effect? Our policymakers, they don't don't reach out to us and say, how will this affect your life? They put it on a ballot. They write it in in, uh, half Latin, half English, so that they can obscure their agenda into that policy, and you get to do an up or down vote on it. Because they have obscured policy with noise. 
by meanness and not greatness. And I dare say we've seen that on both sides for far too long. By ignorance, not learning. What do you think our school system is up to these days? Are they teaching people how to think? Are they teaching them what to think? Are they teaching... Are they, are they teaching just even anything that resembles the basics of an education that might help them in their day-to-day life? No, we're focused on, on social issues. We're focused on, on the quote-unquote don't say gay bill, which isn't that at all. It's just a bill that was written and signed and put into law stating that, you know what, it may not be a good idea to talk to kids from kindergarten to third grade about sex, sexuality, or identity politics. None of that. See, our schools that they're to teach anything is how to, how to think, how to be a critical thinker where you can analyze things, weigh out the decision, make your own decision based on the data that you have in front of you. The ability to, to disseminate information, to gather information, use deductive reasoning to come up with your own personal way of thinking. But that's not what we have these days. We have a one-size-fits-all, government-fed um, indoctrination, which is just, here's your marching orders. Do that. Don't ask why. If you do start challenging things, then the federal government is going to list you as a domestic threat, a domestic terror threat. And they have done that. The Board of Education sent a letter to the FBI, Merrick Garland, asking them to treat uh, parents who go to these school board meetings and they ask questions and sometimes get loud. Is that he wants? They wanted the uh, Justice Department to investigate these parents and use the Patriot Act against them, treating them as though they are domestic terrorists. And it came out last week that that has actually happened. There are documented cases. So in my opinion, Merrick Garland needs to think about resigning because he stated under oath that that never happened. So critical thinking, deductive reasoning, analytics, those are the things that should be taught at school. But no, we're keeping them ignorant. So they don't know how to think. They just want to be told what to think. They don't want to find out if something is true. They just want to be told what is true. And that's, that's not how I'm wired. You can't just tell me something and then I'm just going to follow right along and I don't care who's telling me. But Adam warned, Adam's warned, he's to, uh, to nip the shoots of arbitrary power in the bud. It's the only way to, to preserve the liberties of the people. What's an arbitrary power? Well, it's one that's you don't get a choice in. It is what it is. These are those unelected bureaucrats. Think of the arbitrary power that Anthony Fauci has had for two and a half years. The rock star level that he's had. He can say anything and people will do it just because it's him. And I'm sorry when somebody says, I am science. Questioning me is questioning science itself. He says this. He says it with impunity. 
because he knows that nobody's going to, nobody in the media is going to stand up to him and say, that's not true. That's not how science works. That's the antithesis of science. So the CDC has been a key example. I think it's opened a lot of people's eyes as to, or as to the arbitrary nature of our government these days. But why is it so arbitrary? We handed it to them. We handed it over. We quit paying attention. We got involved in the ratings, the blood sport. We got in wrapped up in all of the narratives, the, the salacious nature of politics without doing our due diligence of being informed, of using the wisdom that God gave us to protect the rights that we have. Think of the arbitrary nature of the Patriot Act. And when did that happen? When did, when did that policy come into effect? The Patriot Act was signed into law just after 9-11, one of the darkest days in American history, and I don't care what else they try and compare it to. And it was a time when Americans felt vulnerable and they felt weak. We'd just been punched in the mouth. 3,000 Americans died in one day on that when the towers went down. And as I've said in the past, I've said, the American people said we have to do something. Doesn't matter what it is as long as we're doing something. And the war complex was more than happy to oblige. So we get the Patriot Act. Your Fourth Amendment disappeared inside that Patriot Act. And nobody batted an eye. I didn't. I didn't even think about it. But then as the years have gone, 20 years, we look back and the Fourth Amendment, that illegal search and seizure, that right to privacy, it's enshrined in our very Bill of Rights is all but gone. And you, some people will call Edward Snowden a patriot, others a traitor. But back when he revealed what the NSA was doing, with your information, collecting every phone call, all of the data, and storing it, and combing through it at times, invading your privacy. That's the arbitrary power that only gets bigger. See, liberty... He says, liberty can't be preserved without a general knowledge among the people. Why does it take so long for a Freedom of Information um, Act request to be granted? See, sunlight on a lot of things going on in our capital in Washington, D.C. would change how they behave in Washington. I think a little more sunlight on where their personal finances, how they enrich themselves so effortlessly after decades of being what they like to call civil servants. So yeah, politics is a joke, but we've let it become the joke. But unfortunately, the joke is on us. 
We've become a character of liberty. It's a punchline. And you play right along. We all do. We're going to take a quick deadbeat sponsor break and wrap things up. So hang tight with us through this uh, final uh, deadbeat sponsor break, and we'll go into our closing. This portion of the program is brought to you by Captain Ramius Submarine Shales and Service. Are you in the market for a Typhoon-class submarine? Does your current submarine need a little sprucing up before nuclear war season? Does your submarine lack the pizzazz your neighboring superpower submarines have? Have you recently acquired a super-secret submarine and are looking to make some extra rubles or dollars? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then Captain Ramius Submarine Sales and Service is the place for you. To contact Captain Ramius Submarine Sales and Service, you must send one ping. One ping only. Welcome back. That's going to wrap things up for this week. But I just want to leave you with a thought, one final thought from John Adams. And I, want, I hope that you remember this throughout the week. Be not wheedled out of your liberty by hypocrisy, chicanery, and cowardice. Because liberty once lost is lost forever. This week, let's take some time. Let's think about, really, don't be afraid of politics. But be involved. It's not a joke. Our government is depending on you, our nation, our republic. This all goes away if we choose to simply cop out and just call politics a joke because it is far bigger than that. So be sure to tune in next week. Again, everywhere podcasts like to hang out, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Rumble, YouTube. Uh, No carrier pigeons this week until they are healed up. Contact me directly, Darren at americaspal.com. That's D-A-R-R-E-N at americaspal.com. And we will talk to you next week.